Welcome to another episode of Healing Through Love. Each week, we share ideas, experiences, and resources to increase the awareness of domestic and family violence and to empower survivors to grow and thrive. We talk with experts who share their advice or with people who have experienced abuse, no matter where they are on their journey. This is all about healing through love. And now, here are your hosts, Charlene Lynch and Rose Davidson. Healing Through Love podcast with Charlene Lynch and Rose Davidson. In episode 63, Lainey Liberty shares guidance for parents to support their teens and tweens' mental health in a time of change. Well, it takes integration takes a lot of work. And in fact, in one of the chapters in my book, I talk about the collective trauma that we experienced going through COVID as worldwide, right? You know, this is the age, um, you know, in my life, I had never experienced anything like that before, and I'm over 50 years old. And so I think for for our generation, those that are, are listening, this is the biggest event for many people, um, you know, and the most prolonged event. And the interesting thing is, to experience a collective trauma, it really helped me within the teens and the parents, the people that I was working with, to be able to explain to them almost the roller coaster of trauma. And so giving them a visual chart of what trauma, the trauma experience looks like. There's the Healing Through Love podcast with Charlene Lynch and Rose Davidson. The Healing Through Love podcast with host Charlene Lynch and Rose Davidson would love to acknowledge Global Glamping Charities Incorporated for generously supporting this podcast. Global Glamping Charities, solving homelessness in all of its forms. Reach out to them at globalglamping.org. Hello and welcome to Healing Through Love podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Lynch from charlenelynch.com. Healing Through Love is here to help victims and survivors of domestic and family violence find their way back to living a more fulfilling life. We interview experts and survivors who share their personal stories and offer advice to those who've experienced abuse no matter where they are on the healing journey. As well as the Healing Through Love podcast, we hold annual Pamper Days here in South Australia and Adelaide for survivors of domestic and family violence. Local businesses come together and pay it forward to provide their services and resources for a much needed day of indulgence. Think day spa on steroids. It's beautiful to behold. We're looking for other organizations with similar values because Healing Through Love has gone global. So if you like the idea of working together with other wellness practitioners to pay it forward and share your services, your beautiful gifts to help make a difference for those who are in need, 
please. We've got another session coming up in, in August, actually, to talk about how you can bring this to your backyard. Every week we have amazing guests and this week is no different. We have Lani Liberty with us. She's a renowned author, speaker, community leader and advocate for alternative education. She's considered a pioneer in the working, working school model. You're going to have to explain all of that. And the founder of Transformative Mentoring for Teens. I love it. And she's got a book and we're going to dive into that. Hi, Lani. How are you? I'm wonderful. And I'm actually an advocate for world schooling, which is kind of like a modality of homeschooling, but it's doing it while you're traveling. So it's it's a lot to talk about. I've, we've got so many things that we can talk about. But like you, I am so passionate about really stopping the cycle of trauma through generations and being the one who says no more. So what got you to this place? What got you to this place, Lani? Well, probably like a lot of your listeners, I grew up in a household that where I experienced a lot of trauma. And I, I write about a lot of those stories in my book. Um, but that really set me down a path towards self-directed healing. One of my trauma responses from my childhood experience was this hyper-independence. And in many ways that served me, and I know that you've, you've heard this story, I'm sure a million times, you know, I could do it myself. All of that stuff comes from somebody who experienced a lot of trauma in childhood. What that did, though, is it set me down a path to, number one, understand the neurobiology, the psychology, and the philosophical, spiritual aspects of being human. And understanding my own human experience informed me in many ways on which, you know, what I, what I needed to learn and study and all of that. And one of the things that I knew from childhood is that I always wanted to be a parent. That was always so important to me, but I didn't want to bring in this cycle of, of abuse. And I knew for sure, I absolutely did not want to parent the way that I was parented. So in addition to this tremendous urge to independently heal myself, you know, as those of us that grew up with trauma do, um, it really set me down this 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 righteous path of of understanding all the different aspects and modalities and what i found for myself and this is before i became a parent was the way that i could make sense of the world and make sense of my internal worlds which indeed were a reflection of the outer worlds was to use tools and so i searched high and low um i read I read books on psychology. I read books on somatic healing. I read books on Jungian philosophy and, and everything in between, parenting, everything, because I really wanted to make sure that I stepped in to the relationship with my future children or child. In this case, it's one child. I ended up having one um, as, as a healed person. And that was really, really important to me. And I had no idea how this path would affect not only the way that I parented, but now it informs the work that I do, which is I, I do work with parents 
And primarily I work with teens because for me, the most stunted place in my own development was my own adolescence. Mm -hmm. I was angry. I was, I engaged in self-sabotaging behaviors. I was a punk rocker, (laughs) you know, which, which will, you know, inform a little bit of imagination in your audience about the kind of rebellion that I acted out. But I understand the teen experience from the experience of feeling like I was invisible. And that probably is the most representative of my entire childhood. I never felt seen, heard, and I surely didn't feel understood, which in turn happens to be the title of my book, because I never want a teen to go through this experience. So not only did I work on healing my own family um, heritage, which is trauma-based, um, you know, interactions and relationship. Um, I also healed that by stopping those generational wounds with my own parenting and with the, um, you know, the release of my book and the work that I do with parents and with teens, I'm helping them tremendously to transform their lives. I love it. Is there a story specifically that speaks to when you want, when you knew that it was time for you to shift the way you were thinking about things? Well, I noticed in my early adulthood that I had a lot of patterns in my interpersonal relationships that included a lot of pulling and pushing, pulling and pushing. And what I recognized is this is from a, a not non-attached um, attachment style. I had a disorganized attachment style and that showed up in many ways. And it also brought me down the path of not only exploring attachment styles and attachment wounds, but understanding the nature of healing. And especially in the Western world, we talk about healing very flippantly as if, oh, it's time for me to heal this wound. And that actually kind of degrades the work that needs to be done in order to heal. Healing does not mean getting rid of your past traumas. Healing means understanding what's there, what's underneath the triggers, what's underneath the shadows, what's underneath all of the behavioral expressions of an unhealed wound and learning to integrate that and make it make sense. So in essence, healing doesn't mean getting rid of the stuff. It means using the stuff as an aspect of who we all are and honoring and cherishing it. Even our deepest and darkest shadows need to be brought out of the shadow into the light because it is a part of who we all are. We all have those. So again, Western culture says, oh yeah, I healed that. It's gone. That's that's not what I'm talking about. And the language really doesn't lend to kind of the deep work that needs to be involved with the healing process. I love it. So as you mentioned, you know, every healing journey starts with a level of awareness. What are your favorite tools or techniques in and around this level of awareness? Well, I think the thing that brought me really deeply into my own self-directed healing, I had to intellectually understand the neurobiology. That was really important to me. I had to understand the framework that we all, well, 
carry around with us in this, you know, head, you know, on top of our shoulders. We've got this piece of hardware that works really well. Um, it's the software that runs in the hardware that we needed to understand. But I had to understand the hardware. Then it took me deeper into the software. And all of the software stuff was really, really interesting to me because what I recognized using Freud's understanding of the brain, basically, we've got the 5% that sits on the tip of the iceberg, right? And the other 90 to 95% of our brain processing is in the subconscious. And so I really needed to understand what the programming in my subconscious looked like. And so self-inquiry started to become the, well, that was the first tool that I used in order to start understanding what was happening in the background and why these patterns of thoughts, which were about myself, self-worth, about who I was in relation to the world and what my value was, how that programming got there. And once I started to unpack and uncover all of that stuff, I saw how through reflection of of my life and my relationships, how that was actually playing out. And that led me down the path um, to start reprogramming my own belief systems, um, consciously choosing to make choices in alignment with my core values versus looking at outside, you know, extrinsic motivation. Um, And also recognize that it's okay to sit in silence and to be with the discomfort of whatever it was that I was uncovering. And there was a lot there. There still is a lot there. I mean, we all have a lot. Who are we kidding? Right? So the the playfulness and the self-inquiry and just that natural born curiosity kept me deep uh, digging deeper and deeper and deeper. I love it. So self-inquiry. So asking yourself questions. Yeah. And are you doing that through journaling or are you doing it on video or uh, how are you how are you capturing the information from the self-inquiry? Well, there's lots and lots of techniques. Yes, journaling is one. We do auto writing, you know, good stream of consciousness writing, which is a wonderful way to start creating the bridge between the conscious thinking mind and the unconscious mind. A lot of um, visualization, a lot of shadow work. I did so much shadow work throughout my life. And that really is the sort of poking in these dark spaces that just want to kick you out. And the recognition and dropping the judgment with self, the trusting of self, technique after technique after technique, help to um, facilitate the deeper inquiries. And as I started peeling back layers, I recognized that within my own way of seeing the world, there there were beliefs anchored by strong emotions, anchored by other beliefs, anchored by strong emotions. And for me, again, I'm, I was born curious as all heck. You know, it just made me want to go deeper, 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 and deeper. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, so lifting that level of self-awareness is asking the questions. And for you, if you're listening today and you're on your journey, what questions do you ask? Well, 
Uh, Self-inquiring questions are a great one to start with. How do you feel about that? If you can ask yourself questions, humans are designed to answer questions. So if you ask yourself questions, and you're right, there's journaling, there's, uh, you can, I know the teenagers love to do audio and video straight to their phones. Uh, Old school, uh, we like to write it out. I love it. So we need to, once we've got all of that information out, are you suggesting that we do anything with that information? Is this something that we need to digest? Well, it takes integration takes a lot of work. And in fact, in one of the chapters in my book, I talk about the collective trauma that we experienced going through COVID as worldwide, right? You know, this is the age, um, you know, in my life, I had never experienced anything like that before. And I'm over 50 years old. And so I think for for our generation, those that are are listening, this is the biggest event for many people, um, you know, and the most prolonged event. And the interesting thing is to experience a collective trauma. It really helped me within the teens and the parents, the people that I was working with, to be able to explain to them almost the roller coaster of trauma. And so giving them a visual chart of what trauma, the trauma experience looks like. There's there's the shock, there's the denial, there's, you know, the the, you know, trying to uh create from that, like, okay, we're locked down. I'm going to make sourdough, you know, and I know so many people across Facebook spend a lot of time making bread. Um, There's, there's the reaction and we can't actually get into the healing stage. You know, we oscillate between the different stages, like a roller coaster of trauma while we're in trauma. And I'd say for the most part now, the majority of the world feels like COVID's over and it's time that we can sort of like exhale and we could start integrating. So integrating means making sense of the past three years or making sense of the experience of the trauma. And yes, this is, you know, I'm explaining it in context to the the pandemic that we all experience collectively, but many of us had very traumatic experiences in our childhood and some of us in our adulthood too. And it's the same, the trauma roller coaster is pretty much the same. So understanding the steps of recognizing where you are on the trauma roller coaster, right? And being able to journal and, or some people don't like writing. You could speak into a voice memo on your phone. You could do any, any part of that, you know, in whatever means works for you individually, but it's about pulling those things apart with a guided framework. And you can do this work yourself. Here's what I did when I was in this stage. And now I can identify these four actions and where that motivation came from. I can now identify the emotional states that I experienced. And if it was, if it put me into, or you or whoever's listening into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, response for a prolonged period of time, recognizing what that looks like, and also recognizing that our brains are not wired to be in that state for a prolonged period of time. So because our our nervous system was dysregulated, 
communally, you know, or collectively throughout the world for such a long period of time, we've got to make sense of not only ourselves, but recognizing when somebody is still in a full-blown trauma response and hasn't learned to um, re-regulate their nervous system to be kind and gentle because we can now understand from our own experience what we experienced during that. And the integration is just starting to happen now. The integration of, of, you know, making it make sense. And the reason why I broke it into this framework is because I do work with teens. Um, I've worked with teens before the pandemic. Uh, My job was taking them around the world to these different countries for these immersive learning experiences. And this goes back to the world schooling. But I always use these tools for mental health or greater mental health as a part of the way that I facilitated. And so when the pandemic hit, I started solely facilitating the tools online. And that gave me the inspiration because to write the book because I knew that I could only work with so many teens because I'm only one human being and there's only so many hours in the day as you can probably understand. And this allowed me to get this work out to a greater number of people. Um, but really the, the true crux of it is having the framework to understand what collective trauma looks like or trauma in general in a way and i use the word roller coaster one of my teens actually changed the word to the trauma train <laughs> and so when i'm working with the teens you know i credit the teen that called it the trauma train and you know i've got a little diagram that we all talk about and we put our answers in but Making mental health and understanding our internal worlds as an accessible tool for teens is the one thing that lights me up. It it makes my life make sense. And so now, you know, everything I do is towards, you know, creating a greater um, internal life for all the teens that I work with and, of course, their parents. I love it. I love it. So you talked about getting your nervous system on board with the with the outcome that you're looking to achieve. Do you have any favorite tools and techniques in and around getting the nervous system on board? Well, it depends what nervous system state you're in, and it also depends who I'm talking to. So if I'm working with parents who find that they are disconnected from their children in their excuse me, in their own families, um, there are certain techniques that I, I facilitate and offer up to parents. Um, part of it is a strategy of pausing, learning first the recognition of what's happening internally, what are the triggers. Sometimes I, I challenge them to use trigger logs in order to be able to identify and pull out the patterns that get them dysregulated because a dysregulated person is not going to actually calm another dysregulated person. So as a parent, our role has got to be to be there present, very, very present. And we can't be present if if five-year-old me is, is active in the forefront. If, if I am, you know, right now really 
dropping into the one who experienced the trauma that was triggered by my child. You know, a five-year-old dysregulated Laney cannot actually parent a dysregulated child. So my first job in accountability and responsibility is the inner awareness. And in my book, all the tools that I use for or with teens, the challenge for parents is to use the tools themselves because a lot of times parents pick up my book and I've gotten this in email after email after email picked up your book because there was a problem with my parent uh, with my child and I really wanted to make sure that they were okay but what I recognized is I was reflecting my unhealed wounds to them and they were in turn reflecting back that. And so obviously a dysregulated parent or a parent who has needs that weren't met when they were young and unhealed wounds, obviously, um, cannot help their child actually come to a place where they can self-direct their own healing. So the challenge for parents is to use the book, use all of the tools, and then Ask your teen if they could facilitate the same tools with their teens, but first by sharing the vulnerable um, answers that they have understood and, and learned about themselves as a point of connection. Connection through vulnerability is a very strong way to connect. I know your podcast is Healing with Love. Love is a wonderful way to connect. But unfortunately, in our culture, a lot of parents that haven't done inner work believe that just because I gave birth to my child, I love them. They should know that. And that should be enough. And the actual work of connecting with another human being sometimes requires you to go into spaces that are raw and vulnerable. And yes, it's fueled by love, but it's not always enough. Mm, I know we, we tend to love others the way we think we want to be loved, but that's not how every human is wired. I love the five languages of love. Uh, me too. They really have, uh, they help me understand uh, how to be a better parent and how to be a better partner as well when we're on the same page as each other, literally on the same page in the same chapter. I love it. So, wow. So tell us a little bit more. So the book was created because now you're working with more teenagers and you want to have access to the information that you're sharing across a border ridge. Is it designed for the parent or is it designed for the teenager or is it designed as a workbook for both to work through? It's actually a little bit of all of those things, but it's primarily primarily written for parents of teens. So there are chapters about partnership parenting, and we sort of touched on that a little bit before we started talking, before you hit record. And partnership parenting is almost like a... Um, uh, uh, the the child of conscious parenting, which is a wonderful way to parent. 
The problem that I have with a lot of the philosophy around conscious parenting is there is still a um, flavor of manipulation there, even if you do it consciously and gentle parenting and peaceful parenting and hand in hand parenting and all of the modalities all are wonderful, right? They all have something to offer, but where I find they fall a little bit short is the idea of changing your child or your teen's behavior in order to have a more peaceful family, which is not a bad intention. Uh, They do it through manipulating the child's behavior. And it's usually for the convenience of the parents, right? Parents want more peace in their home, right? They want their child to, you know, you know, be happy and to be peaceful, right? It's just easier for everybody. But children don't act up just because it would be fun to do. Children are expressing through the means and the power that they have, which is acting, you know, and being who they are pretty, pretty authentically. And if they're not happy, they may not be able to articulate why. They, but they just know that something doesn't feel right and they're grouchy and something's going on. Well, instead of having them change their behavior around that, partnering with them to really get to the root of what needs aren't being met and creating a partnership, a side-by-side journey where the parent is helping them figure out their internal worlds and really creating safe spaces in order to do this. This, These are the ways that we really shift our, our generational trauma, right? This is how I did it. Um, and this is how many, many parents that I've worked with have done it. And it's really, really powerful to know that it ends with you. It ends with this generation. Now I totally forgot the question that you asked. I know I'm, I'm like, it's okay. Wait, well, wait, in summary, okay, we're going to talk about the book and we can get hold of the book in a moment. And we've also okay. got an amazing freebie to share with you as well. So in summary, what we're looking at is that we bring to the table as adults Uh, our own wounds and challenges and yes we've got children and now we're trying to parent them but we haven't been parented perhaps maybe ourselves so what we need to bring to the table as an adult is that level of awareness and how to achieve the level of awareness is to ask questions that's how humans are designed ask questions of yourself find a way to capture that so that you can have a look and give that space between thought and action to see where you are and where you're on this journey and be that level of aware when these things trigger you, what it is that you can do to move forward and how you're making sure that you're not parenting from your wounded child, so to speak, and that you're standing in your own level of authority to help kids, uh, your own children and other children as well. Because remember, for those of you who are listening and you don't have children, there's still children around you that in some form or another they're still looking to you uh so so even if you don't have kids this is still relevant i love it and um so now where can we get hold of the book what's the title of the book and where can we get hold of it sure the book is called seen heard and understood parenting and partnering with teens for greater mental health there is a full chapter nothing but tools so it is kind of workbook ish There's a lot of information about neurobiology, uh, adolescent teen development, psychology, and the chapter of 
tools and stories is rich and valuable and it will change your life. I promise you. Um, in May, I had my one year anniversary and I released the um, hardcover edition, which the cover includes a, a painting that I made. And there are six new tools in here. And there's also a wonderful gift in, in the book, which you can find on Amazon. It's a, um, uh, 45 minute free session with me. And that's only available on in from the book, uh, the hardcover book. So yeah, you can get that Amazon. That's fantastic. Okay. So the links will be in the show notes and also in the description. Uh, so if you're listening to this, they'll be in the description. And if you are watching this, then it'll be in the show notes. Uh, we also have a freebie for our listeners today. Can you tell us a little bit about the freebie? Sure. Earlier this year, I'm really passionate about partnership parenting and partnership parenting, as I described, really is about the side by side journey. It's about coming to the relationship, any relationship, your relationship with your partner, relationship with your children, relationship with your friends but in partnership, right? And so that strips away the authoritarian paradigm. Don't do it because I said so, you know, that that those kind of things are the things that we're programmed to roll off of our tongue. So we, we really throw that um, paradigm on its head. There's a lot more about partnership parenting in my book, but because I work with parents too, um, we, my son and I, my son who is now 24, which blows me away. Um, he's 24. He was raised in partnership away from authoritarianism entirely. Uh, and I'm not saying that he, he was raised by a permissive parent. I was highly attached and highly involved with his parenting. And so we gave a free um, three-hour workshop on partnership parenting. And we talked about uh, the tools that we used as a family. We talked about the techniques for partnership parenting. We talked about mental health and how to model and connect. And my son reflected on what it meant to be raised in this paradigm and what it looked like in his life. The other interesting thing is we didn't talk about this at all, but when my son and I were, or when my son was nine years old, we left the United States where we're from to travel for one year. Well, that ended up turning into 15 years. So I completely raised him nomadically and it was just the two of us. And so we were together living a very non-conformist, non-traditional life together. And so we had to be accountable to one another. We had to show up in partnership. There was no going back to the traditional life. We were you know, in we, we traveled through 40 to 50 different countries and, you know, our life was very nonconformist, very untraditional, but that gave us a whole lot of time together. And so the workshop is my son's reflection of what it meant to have this really close connection with a parent and to live in partnership and to live non-traditionally. And his reflection in, in this workshop is worth it. Just, just listen to him speak. He's so 
incredibly articulate and reflective, vulnerable and authentic. And it, it this is what we want. We want to raise children who can feel comfortable in the world that know themselves because they've been trusted, that are familiar with their internal worlds and that can make strong connections. So if you're a parent, sign up for this workshop. It's free. You've got nothing to lose and you'll love meeting my son. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So all of those details are in the show notes in the description. What we know to be true is that our children are born with an intelligence that we missed. We just didn't connect to. We were busy in a previous generation. We're the same age. Uh, I'm 50. You're a little bit younger than me. Uh, so And so we we sort of skipped a few things. Yes, and the next generation I see are connected spiritually, emotionally, and physically on a completely different level than we are. So we have children with this level of intelligence as adults when we can parent ourselves, not from the child space. If we can parent ourselves and be available to have these beautiful connected conversations and have this beautiful partnership happen between ourselves and our children, we're raising the frequency of this entire planet. And this is what's needed for us all to move forward. I'm looking forward to you diving in deep to everything that she's got to offer. All the details are in the show notes. That's a goodbye from me and a goodbye from Lani. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you so much for the really fun conversation. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Healing Through Love. You can get further resources, see the show notes, or simply reach out to us via our website at htlaustralia.org. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to your company next time on the Healing Through Love podcast.